Chapter 30 of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. Dak helps an old friend. I was happy. Yeah, you know I was. And why? Because my skinny guy was poor kid. After all these years, and after he had thought that she was dead, he had found his mother. Ah, uh, boys, you don't know what it means if you've never lived with a kid like Link Lambert. You don't know what it means. You boys all have your mothers, and I have mine. We don't know. We can't imagine what it would be to live without a mother's care, a mother's kindness, a mother's loving hands to help us all the time. But Link, that poor skinny boy, had been knocked about in his young life. Oh, I remember when he used to go in winter without stockings, without a coat. Don't tell me. I know what it meant to him now to feel his mother's loving arms about his neck, to hear her say, My boy, my own baby boy. Yeah, I couldn't stand to be near him and his mother now. It always made me feel like crying when I saw them together, and I'm getting too big to cry. A boy that's traveled as far as I have, and has gone through as much trouble as I have. No, I haven't any business to cry any more now, if I can help it. And so that night, after all the excitement was over, and we were all safely aboard the boat again, going back to the villa, I sneaked away from them all. I went quietly to the afterdeck on the boat, that dear old place where Lucio and Dak and all of us had sat many times, and I sat down there by myself and thought of home and mother. I want to go home, I said to myself. I want to go home. Never had homesickness hit me as it did now. After all the danger had passed, and Link had found his dear mother, and everything seemed peaceful and happy, I thought of the old river bank back in Kentucky, of the boys, Lou Hunter, Jerry Moore, Dick Ferris, and yes, even of old Brigham, the Pelham leader, who was always doing us dirt, yeah. I thought about them all again. Gosh, how I wished for those old days when I was just a kid, when I wrote down our doings in my secretary book and spelled every other word wrong. But what was the use? The headquarters we used to have was gone. We were up. We moved from place to place. We make new friends. Hawkins! Ah, uh, but here was an old friend. I looked up at the sound of that gentle voice. 
It was poor old Dak Waters, his head bondaged, and leaning upon a cane. I thought I'd find you here, he said, smiling upon me. You see, I know you, Hawkins, my boy. You're the same old Hawkins, whether you be in Kentucky on a river bank or in Cuba on a river boat. I jumped up and helped him to a seat beside me. I'm so sorry, Doc, I said. I'm so sorry they clubbed you. It must hurt terribly. I'm all right now, he said in a tired voice as he sat down beside me. But it was taps and lights out for me, Hawkins, when that dirty Cuban brought his club down upon my round head. Lord, how he hit! He passed his hands before my eyes, and I put my arm about his neck. Poor old Dak, I said. You've been the best friend Link and I ever had. You took it on yourself to see us down here. And I'll see you safely back, he broke in. Never fear, Hawkins. A little thing like a Cuban shillala isn't going to stop me. What do you think of it all, boy? Link has his mother. We were silent for a long time. The stars shone brightly overhead, and some night birds were making music in the distance. That's why I came out here. I said, I knew that Link and his mother would want to talk over many things. That's how I felt, said Doc, and Link's father is just able to get about. He has gone in to join them. What a happy family reunion that will be, Hawkins. Yeah, I said, I wish I could see my folks right now, Doc. Somehow, I couldn't stop the tears then. Then I thought about it. I simply felt as though I was a million miles away from the two persons who thought more of me than anybody else in the world. How I'd like to see mother and dad right now, gosh. Dak put his arms around me and chuckled. And I cried there, on the rear deck of that boat, so far away from home and those who loved me. But you can't blame a fellow for crying, can you? Gee whiz, as I used to say, think of what I went through these last few weeks. Don't you think that it was bound to tell on me sooner or later? Sure, and it did too. Gosh, how I bawled. The following days at Villa Casanova were quiet ones because Link's mother had taken very ill. Several doctors from Havana had been summoned, and they said she was dangerously ill. Owing to the life that she had been forced to live in those underground rooms, and partly owing to the shock she had received when she had found her boy alive and well. I will not dwell long on this, you may be sure we were all anxious to hear the story of how Raphael had plotted to carry out his scheme, which had failed, and ended with his terrible end in the shark's nest 
under Casanova's doom. But we could only get very short and unreliable statements from little Adelie, the girl who attended Link's mother, and so we left her out of consideration altogether. But there came a time. How does it always happen that things will turn out so that a bad man gets his punishment and a good man gets what he deserves? I don't know. But it's God. Anyway, you look at it. God wins always in the end. The devil can go so far, but God always saves his own creatures in the end. And so it came about that, one morning shortly after our return to the villa. Doug Waters and Lucio and I were seated in the big library, talking over things, but mostly about the treasure. We believed that Raphael had discovered it, for we had seen him have a pile of precious stones in a blanket. Just as we were discussing this, we heard a sound of footsteps, but could not locate the point from which the sound came. But suddenly there came a harsh, grating noise, and the big picture of the sad-faced lady on the wall swung backward, and out of that dark tunnel jumped Montilla, the Cuban lawyer whom Rafael had sent to America, and who had brought us all to Cuba. Señors, he cried, Señors, save me, for the love of God! What a changed Montilla he was, how ragged and shabby, how different from the handsome, finely dressed man that he was when he first appeared at our houseboat on that river in Kentucky. Oh, he was changed. His face was thin, and there was blood upon his forehead, blood of a few days old, hard and brown. He sprang out and clutched at the coat of dark waters. Stand up, commanded Lucio, coming over to him. Stand up, you faithless friend, and speak out what troubles you. Montilla stood up, but his knees shook, and he held up a trembling hand. For three days, he whispered, I have been hiding from them, the Cuban police. They have caught Gabriel. He is in prison now, but I have escaped. See, the cats on my arms and head. I have suffered much, but I have escaped. Then he suddenly turned his head and noticed that the picture still hung inward, allowing an opening in the wall. Shut that door, he screamed shrilly. Shut that door. They must not come in. We are here, senor, said a voice from a different part of the room. All of us turned our heads quickly. There, standing in the doorway of the library, was a Cuban policeman, smiling down upon the unhappy Montilla, and speaking excellent English with a faint accent. We have followed you wherever you have gone, senor, he said, speaking to Montilla. Did you think you should fool us? You were never far away from us, although at times out of our sight.
we knew where we should find you at last. Montilla sank into a heap upon the floor. It seemed as if all of his courage and his strength left him then. He gave up, I believe, like the coward he was. Senor, said the police officer, addressing Lucio, this man is wanted for plotting against the government. We are sorry if he is your friend. We must take him with us. Lucio waved his hand and walked aside, as though he had no objection to make. Two other police now appeared silently in back the officer, ready to take the prisoner. My eye happened to catch sight of Doug Waters. We sat there, holding both hands to his sorely wounded head and looking upon Montilla with a pitying eye. When the police strode over and took hold of Montilla, I saw Dak start up and try to say something, but he sank back again into his chair, holding his head in his hands. Wait, I said, perhaps Dak wants to say something. Montilla caught my words and looked as though he still hoped for aid. Dak glanced up and made a motion with his hand toward Montilla. I walked over and said, What is it, Doc? Tell them, he whispered. Tell them he was an old friend, schoolmates together. Montilla was duped by Raphael. Fix it for him, Hawkins. Gentlemen, I said, this poor man was an old school chum of my friend, the doctor. If you will allow him to spend the night with us, we will surely see that he does not escape. We are Americans. You may take our word. The police officer made a motion to his two men, and they allowed Montilla to drop into an easy chair. The officer came over to me, smiling. You are American, boy, he said. We trust you with our prisoner. Tomorrow we shall call for him. He is in your care, senor. He made a low bow to me, and I, like a big boob, bowed just as low to him. I didn't see anything funny in it then. When you are in Cuba, you must do as the Cubans do. That's what I was thinking as I watched the policemen disappear around the portico. Gracias, señores cried out Montilla when we were alone. Muchas gracias. You have spared me. Listen, I shall tell you the truth. Rafael drew me into this plot. I was never for a revolution, señores. See, he offered me a big fee if I would help him hide the lady in the caves and swear that she was dead. We drew the wheel and made her sign. Raphael thought that after he had brought the boy down here, there would be no suspicion. Then he thought he could bring about with all this money and revolution, which would make him general of the island. You see, senores, how it ended. We had listened to this as though it were a talking machine, not as though it were a man, flesh and blood 
telling us this awful confession of Rafael Peralta's dark plotting. Doug Waters sat straight up in his chair. But why, Montilla? he asked. Why did Rafael send for Link Lambert? Would it not have been much easier for Rafael to take possession of the plantation, saying nothing to anyone? No, no, answered Montilla. It was to get the boy out of the way. The sharks of the dungeons was to do that, senors. And then he would be gone. He would never be able to show himself later, maybe, and claim the plantation. It was a wicked plot, said Lucio, with an angry look at Montilla. Let me see. First, you were in a plot to kill the boy. Next, you were in a plot against the government. And lastly, you stole a treasure of precious stones that belonged to the owner of the Casanova plantation. No, no, cried out Montilla, holding up his hand. It was that which caused all the trouble, senor. If it had not been for the treasure, we would have succeeded. But, ah, uh, Raphael would seek for it, even until the last. You mean he never found the Casanova treasure? asked Lucio. If that is so, how about the heap of gems tied up in a blanket? Montilla smiled. It was a treasure, yes, he said, but gathered together from the rich ones who were also in the plot to seize the government, senor. We had not time to turn them into money before the police were upon us. It was the lame man who gave out our secret, I believe, and it was he, I know, who carried away the blanket full of riches after the police left. I was hiding while they searched the caves. They did not find me, and while I waited for a chance to get out after the raid, I saw the lame man and his captain carrying the blanket of treasure to the seashore. I followed. I saw them go into a little old ship. They made off in a hurry. It was surprising, senores. How fast that little ship got away from Casanova's racks. Well, said Lucio, the lame man worked hard, and I am glad he got something to take away with him, even if it was not the real Casanova treasure he was seeking. And then these three officers who had remained behind saw me and chased me. I fled back into the caves. I ran not knowing where, until I bumped up against the wall there, and he pointed to the picture. Then I knew, senores, that I was behind the big picture. Oh, you knew of that hidden door, did you? exclaimed Lucio. Montilla nodded. Yes, he said. It was only a hollow hiding place at first. But Raphael had a tunnel deck from behind the picture to his cave. It was planned to come up that way at night, senor, to steal the boy and take him to the caves, where he was to be thrown into dungeons. It was a vile scheme, but I had no hand in it, senores. I was to get a big fee 
and it was not me but Rafael who was to do it. I was only working for a fee, senores. Poor old Dak Waters was listening to Montilla with a sad expression on his face. Montilla spoke a broken English, and I can't write it down just the way he spoke it. But even at that, it was plain enough for all to understand, and we all knew that Montilla was telling the truth. Under the circumstances, it was the only thing he could do. Ah, Montilla, said Doug, never did I think you would fall so low. When you and I were in college, I believed you to be a good boy, but you have turned out a bad man. Montilla turned his face away. Alice, yes, he said, it is so, Dr. Waters. Lucio shoved a handful of tobacco in his white pipe and put a match to it and began to puff hard. Then he walked over to the troubled man. Montilla, he said, what would you do if I promised to let you get away? Montilla grasped his wrist. See, si, senor, he said, I would take a ship for Spain. The escadrilla is in the harbor now ready to sail. I would get out of this country, senor, forever. I must not stay here. They are after me. His voice had fallen to a whisper. Lucio shook his wrist free and took the lawyer by the shoulders. Get up, he said. You're not worth a single thought. I should turn you over and tell them to throw the key into the sea. Go up and wash the grime from your face. You will find one of my suits to fit you pretty well, also any other clothes you may need. And, he added, holding up a warning finger, don't try to escape from this house. We will have to answer for you in the morning. Valdez led him upstairs to Lucia's room. We sat down again together, none of us feeling as though we wanted to say the first word. But Doug said it. Poor Montilla, he said, the poor Cuban schoolboy that used to study in the same room with me. And here he is, a fugitive, glad of a chance to get out of the country. It was Raphael's fault, I said. But he should know better, said Lucio. He is not a child. He is a crafty, scheming lawyer who thought more of big fees than of reputation. I suppose we should turn him back to the police, I said. Yes, said Lucio. I suppose we should. That was Captain Silverio who came for him. I don't imagine any other would have allowed Montilla to remain overnight with us. But Silverio is my friend, and I should say to him tomorrow, Silverio, you are an officer, but I am not. You could have held Montilla a prisoner, but I could not, and so he's gone. Silverio would smile at me and said, Lucio, you are good for nothing, only a dreamer, and so I forgive you. Both Duck and I watched Lucio closely, waiting for him to say more. 
but the dear old dreamer continued to gaze steadily at the ceiling while he puffed smoke from his white pipe. And, Uncle Lucio, I said, you are going to let Montilla get away for Dr. Waters' sake, aren't you, Uncle Lucio? Lucio did not remove his gaze, but puffed smoke in thicker clouds. You have it, Hawkins, he said. Montilla goes tomorrow wherever he wishes, for Dr. Waters' sake. End of chapter 30